You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. A win is a win, I guess. EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast and Odyssey WFN original. We have a really great show for you guys. We will be talking about this Knicks win. They did survive the Miami Heat in game two. It was not their prettiest win at all. I'm very curious to hear what my guy Tommy Beer has to say about this win. We'll talk about what happened. We'll talk about what happened with Jimmy Butler not playing. Randall did play in this game. So we'll break everything down that happened in this game. Also, we have a great guest for you guys. We got Alex Dono. He uh, co-hosts the Red Hot Hoops Miami Heat podcast with Odyssey Sports Network. So we'll get his thoughts on game two and his thoughts on this series from a Miami perspective. We've got some really great guests on the show. And Alex, I know, will bring the heat, no pun intended, as well. So we'll have that for you. And our last NBA award before the All-NBA rec- all NBA stuff gets out. And Knicks will go home empty-handed, uh, executive of the year, not going to Leon Rose, despite the agenda I was trying to push. So I'll tell you guys where he finished. I'm not very happy about it. I'm very curious how Tommy feels about it. Speaking of Tommy, Tommy, of course, joins me as always. Tommy, game two is a dub, but how are you feeling after it? When, if, and when the Knicks win four games in the series, they're not going to ask how many points they won each game by. They're not going to ask if it was pretty, um, if the ratings were good, if, you know, every everything, uh, if it was uh, an easy cruise to victory. Um, it's the first of four. Knicks got one. You need one to get to four. Um, it was ugly. It was a rock fight, um, but I think that's kind of what we expected going to the series. They played their first must-win game of the postseason. Um, people forget this is a relatively young group, not very experienced. This was an important learning lesson in how to win a game that you play poorly in. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the uh, some of the defensive game plans were a little bit flawed. Shot-making the first half was ugly, basically the first three quarters. Um, but ultimately, Knicks dug it out. Um, we got a best of five Knicks versus Heat um, going down to South Beach um, series still very much uh, on the table. And I think that's what you would hope for going into game two. Um, and it's still the case coming out of game two. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that ugly game two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to talk about a Knicks loss. It's better to talk about a Knicks win following a struggling, uh, tough performance yes. like that. So we'll get right to it. Again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey WFN Original, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service so you get these episodes every time we drop. Drop three times a week. This is episode two of this week, so make sure uh, you catch all the episodes we drop again three times a week. Odyssey um, uh, Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Also, check us out on YouTube. You can catch us on the WFAN channel and the Odyssey Sports channel as well to watch the video version of this podcast. So um, it was not pretty, but the Knicks survived a shorthanded Miami Heat team to squeak out a win in game two. The Heat were playing without Jimmy Butler, but put forth a very inspired effort thanks to the, uh, the play of Gabe Vincent. He had 21 points in this one. Caleb Martin had 22 points in this one. Um, the Knicks were trailing by as much as six in the fourth quarter and were finally able to get over the hump. They some big baskets from Jalen Brunson, who had 30 in this game. Josh Hart, he nailed some clutch threes in this one. He had 14, 11, and nine, almost got a triple-double in this one. He had some big threes, and that was the reason why the Knicks were able to pull ahead. Um, this was the return of Julius Randle. Randle had missed uh, more than a week's time with an ankle injury. He came back into the lineup. He looked pretty strong. He had a really good game, 25 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists. R.J. Barrett. 
really carried the Knicks through uh, some rough quarters there, especially the first three quarters of this game. But he was really one of the constants in this one. He had 24 uh, on 8 of 17 shooting. He did not close this game, which was, uh, by Tibbs' account, a coaching decision. I'm very curious what Tommy thought about that. But let's begin with why the Knicks were able to win this game despite the struggles in your eyes, Tommy. Like This is a game to me, and I was in the building. It was a weird crowd. It was a tense crowd. And the Knicks didn't give them much reason to really cheer or really get after it. And I think the Heat played with house money. And I think that the crowd allowed them to feel very comfortable because the Knicks weren't giving them a reason to feel uncomfortable. So how are the Knicks able to win this game? And also, why did they struggle so much? Uh, I'll answer the first question first. Um, six po- Knicks are down six points, 93, 87, uh, about eight minutes left in the in the fourth. Garden's tight. Um Brunson comes down, hits a three-pointer. Um, following possession is the four-point play um, where uh, Hardenstein sets a screen, gets a foul on, on Bam. Brunson knocks down the three-pointer. Um, basically, from that stretch, um, you know, credit to Spolstra, credit to the the crew of undrafted guys that you know yep. basically came out of the wood, woodwork um, to you know, to to really make this a tight, contested, stressful game for Nick fans. Um, but at the end of the day, Brunson and Hart, the Villanova guys, you know, kind of put the team on their back. Um, and, and, and that was the final seven minutes of regulation. Hart scored 10 points. Brunson scored 10 points. The entire heat team combined scored 12 points. Um, two biggest shots of Josh Hart's probably NBA career. Um, that first corner three with about five minutes left to put the Knicks up three. He came back and cut it to one. Hart hit that up, that second three-pointer. Um, keep in mind, the the strategy for Miami coming into the series was to dare Josh Hart to take yep. and make three-pointers. He was 0 he, he was 0 for, he had missed seven three-pointers in a row, dating back to game first quarter of game four of the Cleveland series. Um, that was the last three-pointer he had hit. Um, had missed seven in a row, um, 0 for four in game one, 0 for two, first three quarters of, of game uh, of game two. Um, still shot clock running down buries that three um, crowd gets excited, hits another three um, eventually hit those two free throws to seal the contest after the Duncan Robinson three pointer after the Julius Randall yeah. rain fart, which uh, scared the bejesus out of everyone watching. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so Brunson and Hart, you know, is, is the answer to that. How did it, but I, I don't want to short shrift Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, played yes. he, I, to me, he gets the game ball. Um, his numbers don't jump out. Um, actually was re-watching the fourth quarter this morning, and I was stuck. It seemed everything that positive that happened for New York had his fingerprints all over. I actually, um, in the post this morning, 7, 7, 7.30 mark, uh, again, Knicks are down six. Uh, Knicks are down five at this point, actually. Um, Hardenstein, seven-footer. 6.42, he sets the screen, uh, you know, um, uh, 6.08, uh, sets a screen on Cody Martin. Brunson makes a jumper over Duncan Robinson. Two offensive rebounds, the next possession. 4.45, Hardenstein sets a screen for Josh Hart. 4.07, Hardenstein uh, has the screen assist for Brunson, three-pointer. Um, in the game, had a, had a game-high seven screen assists, leading to 17 next points. His mm-hmm. offensive rebounding, his heart, his hustle, his effort on, on both sides of the floor um, really were a difference maker for the Knicks in that contest. So um, special shout-out to, to Isaiah Hardenstein. Um, so, yeah, I think that's ca- kind of the big picture, how the Knicks were able to pull away. Um, the downside is that it was a close game, that the Knicks were losing heading into the halftime. And 
losing um, with eight minutes left. And I think a lot of that had to do um, with the defensive game plan going in. We knew once Jimmy Butler was ruled out that the only prayer that Miami had was to bomb in a ton of threes, get to the free throw line, muck up the game, make it yeah. ugly, um, and hopefully they hit more threes than than, than the Knicks um, and have a big discrepancy behind the arc. And essentially that's what they did. Attempted 49 threes, made 17. Um, fortunately for New York, they got a little cold at the end. But the drop yeah. coverage, having Mitchell Robinson drop behind, um, you know, off screens was very frustrating. Um, again, you can live if 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 Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson and Kevin Love and Max Strus are going to slice into the lane and yeah. crack and, and make layups or you know kick it. Then you can live with that. You cannot allow with those guys shooting wide open threes. They had far too many of them. Um, but uh, eventually, Nick's got the job done. Um, I'm sure you were frustrated by that uh, defensive approach as well. Yeah, I mean, sitting in the crowd for that game and it was a great experience being in the Garden for that game. First time I was at our playoff game. But um, as I tweeted, I had dental appointments more enjoyable than that. Nick. I got to be honest. It was it was tough to watch. And it was funny. You know, it's bad when I tweet out this defense is awful. And then people are tweeting me, well, the offense is bad, too. And then they tweeted me, well, you know what? You're right. This defense is bad. Like, that's how it was. It was like there were stretches in the game where you could have picked either side of the wall. And it's what was awful. There were stretches yeah. of the game where the defense was awful. There were stretches of the game where they could not score that second quarter. I was like, what What are they actually doing? Like, at a certain point, it just looked like the Knicks were had, looked like the Knicks were playing with two guys. It looked like Randall and RJ were the only players uh, the Knicks had doing anything offensively. It was it was a bizarre game. It's almost one of those games where if you're the Knicks, I almost feel like you say, okay, let's just flush that film down the toilet because yeah. nothing we did in that game is really going to help us win any game moving forward in this series. I think if you take some pauses from this one, one, Randall looked really good coming from the ankle injury. Like, and the fact that he once again was able to come back from an injury, having not played a certain amount of time and be that productive, is really impressive. Like, I, I now I, I think once an accident, two's a trend, and this three's evidence. We're at the part where two's a trend here, where I think he plays with a different level of focus coming off of an injury. Because when he came out in game one against Cleveland, we saw how he started that first half. It was stunning how well he played. And you're like, wow, like this is this. He wasn't playing that great before he got hurt. Like this is the best he played in a while. That first half against Cleveland in Game One, and then we saw the rest of that series. He struggled so 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 much in that series. You're like, what's going on? I really think that he's able to kind of get out of his head about like the situation and the pressure. He can just focus on playing the game and like staying healthy in the game. And I think that takes away a lot of the pressure because he he played uh, aggressive. He played. Um, a mostly clean game. They didn't make perfect decisions, but he also wasn't like a disaster with the turnovers. Like he wasn't the reason why they were down um, offensively. Defensively, he had a lot of issues, but offensively, he, he played really well. So that's one positive. I think the other positive I take away from it, I mean, Hardenstein is, was a, a monster. I mean, he was a beast. Him going after every loose ball, the way he was playing defense, he had a floater in the lane in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was awesome. Don't want to discredit him. Don't want to discredit Hard. Don't want to discredit RJ because he now is starting to put together like four or five games on a row where he's just getting 25. Like he he looks like a bucket now. So that's really great news on that side. But I think the, the main takeaway from a positive standpoint is got to be Brunson being able to clearly kind of like knuck up to uh, fight through whatever he was going through. Because that was the worst first half I've ever seen Jalen Brunson play at a Nick, in a Nick uniform. He was passive. He looked like he really couldn't explode. 
He just was out there. He, I mean, it's rare you watch a game and say Jalen Brunson is having zero impact, but that's what happened in the first half. He had zero impact on that game. And I know they said that there was a pep talk that he had again at some point in that game that kind of got the team going. I don't know if he needed to get himself going or he just needed to kind of power through whatever ankle injury he's dealing with. We know that he was questionable coming into the game. But to see him change the entire landscape of that game with his shot making in the second half, powering through whatever physical issues he was dealing with, showed why he's a special player, why he is deserving of being, you know, a franchise player for this team. Why, you know, maybe in the future he ends up becoming the next captain of the New York Knicks. Like that, that to me is what I saw from him. That was a special performance from that regard. I kind of, it kind of, I'm kind of upset that like they played so poorly. They kind of, we kind of glossing over that. Like played so poorly, you don't even want to celebrate how great Brunson was. But it's like, man, Brunson was playing on a clearly bad ankle and the next season was about to be over. They were about to lose that game and be probably dispatched in four games in this series that they don't win. And Brunson said, not on my watch. And that, I think, uh, for that reason, Jalen Brunson deserves a lot of credit. Yes, 100%. 23 points in the biggest half of the season. You know, and the biggest half the Knicks have played in a decade um, on a clearly. I will admit, yes, it was great to see him come through in the clutch and, you know, deliver like he had hoped. I am worried about Brunson's ankle going forward mm-hmm. um, because this wasn't just, you know, he, he tweaked his ankle in the second quarter of game one and kind of scuffled through it. This is a sore ankle and just said it just kind of snuck up on him and started giving him pain. Um, that concerns me. Um, he tweaked it in the second quarter. You could see yep. he was clearly in pain. Um, that was concerning. As you mentioned, the first half was almost alarming in the fact that he just didn't have that lift. Shot was flat. Shot was short. Um, yep. So a ton of credit for him for, for white knuckling through the, the, the second half. Um, but I will admit I'm concerned about that that ankle going forward um, as the Knicks, you know, like, likely looking at a seven-game series if somehow they escape and move on to the next round. Um, I have all the faith in the world in Brunson when he's healthy. Let, let's just hope he's, you know, again, the three days of rest not only help Jimmy Butler, they will help um, uh, Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle as well. Um, speaking of Randle, as you mentioned, a ton of credit um, for him. Uh, first Nick in 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 history um, with 25, 12, and 8, 8 assists in, in a playoff game. Um, so, you know, at least to, to Matrix, see those numbers um, again coming back. And I think you make a good point. Um, when you think about it, Randall didn't fight with the referees yesterday. Nope. He wasn't, you know, yeah. he wasn't, he, it's almost like he focused his energy on just showing that he was healthy and kind of maybe he was just, okay, I just need to get through this game and not like expend excess energy worrying about calls or officials. Yeah. Um you know, all that kind of nonsense. Um, we, we, you know, it, it was just, it was clear that, and that's the best version of Randall, that focus. Yeah. Because he's always, there's intensity is always there, but sometimes it's kind of misused and, and funneled towards, you know, counterproductive items like, uh, you know, foul calls and, and, and yeah. some other stuff and teammates and, you know. Trying to do too much. Yeah. Trying to do too much and spins into the lane, et cetera. Um, so I, so I thought that was encouraging, um, you know, so, so yes, but, but overall he looked a lot better than, than I thought he would physically. And again, he has Same. several days to come off. So um, hopefully he should be good to go Saturday and kind of, you know, a little bit trending in that that positive direction i mean we talk about the issues from this game i mean offense i'm not gonna harp on it so much because i think a lot of it had to do with the heat going zone which surprise surprise the knicks can't score against the zone who would have guessed that i mean i feel like we've talked about that all season they ended up kind of figuring out i think Harden signed setting those good screens at the top of the key 
Nick deciding that their best effort was to screen the on the ball, get Brunson kind of going downhill and kind of moving from there. And they were able to get some shots. And they started making shots. That was also a positive sign because they were missing everything in game one. So they figured it out offensively. I'm not going to harp so much on that. This defense has got to get better. I mean, that's a game where you got guys missing assignments. Guys are dying on every screen. Um, guys just not paying attention. I mean, Julius Randle is two passes away, and he's you know on the other side of the court, skipping it over to the baseline to a wide open Kalen Martin. He's nowhere to be found. Um, you know, Kyle Lowry's getting trapped in the corner. He's skipping all the way to the other side. Obi Top is guarding nobody. Uh, Jalen Brunson's one pass away on Struess, not denying the ball. They just swing the ball to the corner and shoots his a three. Like some of this stuff was just like insane. And then that is, I didn't mention anything about the drop coverage, which was a lot of the threes that were happening too with Gabe Vincent. Like, I mean, they've got to tighten up. Now, I think the Heat get away with a lot of moving screens. It was driving me crazy. Like they they move on, they move on every screen. But look, this that's how it's gonna get called. So Nick's gotta adjust. They gotta start switching some of these more. I don't want to see Brunson guarding Struess. Like, I think Struess going out in that game also helped the Knicks because Struess moves more than any other player on the Heat. I don't know. If you have a guy with a bad ankle, why am I going to put him on a guy who they're going to run most of their action through now that Jim Butler is out? I thought that that was a stupid decision to begin with, and it almost hurt. The, it almost cost the Knicks the season because Struess got really hot too. So defensively, they got to rip up pretty much that entire game plan, especially if the series where Butler doesn't play in game three and they kind of have to go with a similar game plan because the only chance they had was to shoot a bunch of threes and Nick seemed to be acquiescing to that because that's how they play every team and that almost again cost them this game the yes uh, the, the, the so the game plan was flawed in certain respects um again you had to chase shooters off the three-point line um you can get beat in other ways also and, and that also part of that is trusting your help defender funnel them in the middle and let mitch and and hartenstein clean up the mess if and when they get into the paint um because uh, again you don't have to chase lowry around screens and, he, and when he goes in the paint he's not looking to yeah. shoot look he's looking to distribute yeah, exactly. um you know so so that that's one thing the other issue is just from a, a functionality standpoint, Brunson has never been a good defender. He's playing on one ankle. He is a horrible defender. He's killing um, them right now. Yeah. He's killing them on the defensive end. And he, rightfully so, are targeting it and attacking him relentlessly. And even when they don't attack him, he's, you know, short. You know, he's not quick enough to close out on, on, on taller shooters, even when on strong side help. Um, he's three feet away and, and just doesn't have the quickness to get out to the shooters, doesn't have the height yeah. to contest. Um, so it's th- that's a mess on that end. They basically have to figure out a way. You can't take him off the floor because he's their best right. offensive player, um, he's the most consistent, efficient scorer. He's the best clutch shooter, so you can't take him off the floor late in games. Um, so there, there's a lot there. And, and you know, so they, they have to kind of game plan around that. But again, there are ways to, to you know, to hide him defensively. They've done that successfully throughout the season. Um, you know, and that, that's something that Tibbs has to work on going forward. And I think Brunson's poor defense cost RJ finishing this game. Yeah. Because Tibbs saw they couldn't stop anybody. And he's like, I got to get Grimes in there. I got to get another guy who can chase people around. And RJ was doing okay. I mean, you know, uh, Vincent did a couple of shots, but part of it's because RJ's guarding a point guard now. Yes. Because um, Brunson couldn't guard his his, his matchup. It's and, unfair to ask yeah, Right. So RJ's kind of guarding a guy he shouldn't be guarding anyway. And I thought he was doing okay. And he was giving good effort. I watched the game again uh, this afternoon. And then he had to come out the game because they're like, yo, we need Grimes out there because, again, Brunson, like, we have to keep Brunson out there because he's the best player. But RJ was playing so well, like, it, it put Nick time in a tough bind. I kind of, 
I don't really blame Tiz for what he did. I know some people were upset about sitting RJ because RJ was playing so well. But that, the, the, to me, that game was about the Heat essentially running out of points. Like, <laughs> at a certain point, that Heat team was only going to score for so many points. I think yes. uh, for, for, for what's the name standpoint, I think he was like, we got to make sure they we keep them at one, whatever it's called, one, what is it, 108 or whatever they had, like 101. Keep them to that and not let them go above that and we'll be fine. I think that's essentially what happened. They kind of outlasted them. Yeah, listen, those guys are, you know, the, the, the reason they're not stars is because they can hit shots, you know, and even big pressure-packed games, you know. Um, Hayward Highsmith can, can make a few threes and, and, and you know, and and, and, and those other, and, and Duncan Robinson, et cetera. But when it comes down to those big boy points, those, you know, those those fourth right. quarter clutch, those when the stars come out, that's when you need Butler to step up. And then, you know, and then Hero can hit those kind of shots, hit those hero shots, um, whereas the Knicks had, you know, Brunson's built for that. You know, Hart is the guy that this was he's he's yeah. his whole life has been preparing for you know hitting those three. You know, he, he's like he's like Shaq at the free throw line. He'll make him when he counts, essentially. You know, um, and that's what he did. Uh, a couple things on the decision to bench Arda down the stretch. I did not have a problem with it. Um, not even second guessing because it worked out. Um, in addition to defensively, um, again, RJ competed offensively and RJ was awesome in the first half. The yeah. Knicks don't, aren't close enough to make a run and win the game in the fourth quarter if RJ doesn't put them on. You know, RJ and Randall basically don't keep the team afloat and, and essentially Barrett, again, two, a couple first halves in a row now where he's put the team on his back. Um, so this is, you know, certainly not to knock RJ. Um, was looking at some numbers this morning. Um, last five playoff games, Dude is averaging, um, where's the numbers here? 23.2 points on 52.5% shooting to go along with 5.2 rebounds. Um, uh, how about this stat, uh, basketball reference? Barrett is one of six players in NBA history, age 22 or younger, to score at least 19 points and shoot over 47% in five straight playoff games. The other five, LeBron, Dwight Howard, Amari, Kareem, and Jerry West. So those are the five players wow. in history that have done that. Um, you know, so th- th- Barrett's playing incredibly well. They need him. Um, but it's a li- but th- the issue is with Barrett on the floor, even though we knocked down his threes, he doesn't draw the respect from the, the heat perimeter defenders that you would like. Um, and ditto for Hart there again through through the first 84 minutes, you know, before the final eight minutes, five, five minutes of the fourth quarter of game two, they were essentially leaving Hart alone. They were giving him the yeah. Isaac Core treatment um, in the corner. And that what that does is w- when Brunson plays alongside those two dudes, um, it kind of cramps the floor a little bit. And essentially the Heat were playing like a 1-3-1 kind of hybrid zone. Even when they weren't going straight zone, um, they were really, you know, daring, again, daring other players to shoot. When Grimes is on the floor, even though Grimes hasn't hit a bunch of three-pointers in the series, really this whole postseason um, hasn't been effective. Teams know, the scouting report tells you, do not give that guy open looks. Don't cheat right. off in two steps. You need to stay um, w- within decent closeout distance of that player. I don't care if he's 0 for 7. Um, watch that guy shoot. Don't give him too many. Um, so, th- th- and, and we saw the final seven, eight minutes. Hardenstein with some screen and rolls up top, um, some back screens, et cetera. Um, the floor was a lot more spaced, and Brunson had a lot more room to work 
um, with Grimes on the floor, kind of spacing. To do. So that Grimes gravity helped the Knicks offensive in addition to um, his defensive contributions. They, in Long story short, they need to find a way to get him more minutes going forward. Because um, even if he's not taking shots, he's a threat to make shots. Um, and, yep. and that really helps the, the the guys on the floor. It's not fair to RJ, who's played yeah. really well. So maybe those minutes come at IQ's costs. Um, who, who, who we'll talk about him. He hasn't. He continues to struggle. Um, but long story short, I don't know if that means switching back up and putting Grimes back in the starting lineup. That's something they have to consider. Yeah. Um, you know, is going to be closing, um, and maybe bring him in with six minutes or so. Uh, but there there are some things that they kind of need to work out there. And also, Hart's got to shoot the ball because there were yes. a lot of. He had yes. zero confidence yes. in his shot zero. the first half. Zero. He wasn't even looking to shoot. They were damn to shoot, and he wouldn't take those shots. Yep. Like, he's got to shoot the ball. Like, if they're going to leave him open like that, like, he's got to be aggressive. And thankfully, late in the game where the season's on the line, he, 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 he knew he had no choice but to put these shots up. Some of those shots mm-hmm. coming out. Um, he has to continue to do that because if he does not shoot the ball, that helps the Knicks as a heat defense. And, and he was he was hurting the team offensively by him not shooting the ball in that first half. So uh, Knicks able to survive in this game, 111-105. These teams don't play again until Tuesday. That's when the series will shift to uh, Miami.